Hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to a very, very special episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. And I say very, very special because this has a special title. We have a special title for this. Um, uh, and it will be revealed. But first, I want to I want to go to a specific quote that I think is going to be very, um, very influential for the situation. Um, this is a quote from Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. Um, Anakin is, if one is to understand the great mystery, one must study all its aspects, not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. If you wish to become a complete and wise leader, you must embrace a larger view of the Force. Um, and I think that's very relevant today because we have someone who literally named their podcast after that. So, um, I, we're pleased to say that we have Devor from A Large View of the Force, um, on this episode. Hey, Devor, what's going on? Hello, it's going good. Thank you for having me on. I'm Thanks. really excited to talk with you guys. Thanks for coming on. We're so, um, happy to have you on. Uh, and so... Let's reveal our special episode name. It's not really a reveal because I've said it before on Twitter. Um, so this official name of this episode is Star Wars, A Larger View in a Galaxy. Um, nice combination <laughs> of the names. Uh, and yeah. Um, Jacob, do you have anything to say? Um, oh yeah, this is Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. Okay. Um, we need to do that. Um before, if you have anything, if you don't have anything to say, Jacob, then we'll get to a very special part of our episode that I've been waiting to talk about for a while. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so um, we do a bunch of speed round questions on In the Galaxy. Our final speed round question is something I'm going to bring around now because um, you have an interesting opinion on this, Devore. Um, the bounty hunter who tried to kill Padme in uh, episode two, how do you pronounce her name? Zam Wazel, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> All right. I knew this was coming. We both, Jacob and I both <laughs> knew this was coming. Um, we have talked um, various times online about Zam Wessel and her oh, various appearances. I'm pretty sure of the other two guests we've had on the Galaxy so far, I'm pretty sure both of them have said Wessel up to this point. Um, so we, So we got some differing stuff here. Um, I'm just curious, honestly, you just learned it as Wazel this entire time. Yeah, I, I, I only heard Wessel in the last year or so, if that. See, the funny thing is, I only heard Wazel. I think, Jacob, you only heard Wazel in the last year, if we're correct, right? Yeah, also, I just always, just, I don't know, yeah, I just assumed that it was Wessel, and that's what I stuck with, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things, it's like, in Star Wars... It feels like nothing has a firm set in stone pronunciation. So we're just, it's a Twi'lek Twi'lek thing. That's what we used to do before we changed it. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd start off with that so we didn't have to do this whole thing later <laughs> and because I've been dying to talk about this. Um, but uh, before we get into all, also this, um, Jacob, since, well, it will be will have been yesterday, but you're seeing this a week after our last episode. Um, uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, uh, he, um, watched The Mandalorian. He watched The the Heiress. Um, and so I thought, now that all three of us have actually seen it, we could, um, have a better discussion than last time. Uh, because 
we're recording this before Chapter 12, The Siege. Um, and so, Devor and Jacob, actually, I'm curious what you guys thought of um, Chapter 12. Devor, you want to lead us off? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess 11. the headline is, I guess the headline for me is, they did it. They really did it. They did do I, it. I mean, I don't, obviously, you know, there had been rumor milling around for a couple months about the possibility that Katie Sackhoff was going to appear in the show as a live action Bo-Katan. But even with that in the background, I don't know about either of you. I still found it like a surprise review. Like even when they did the title card and said the heiress, like I didn't connect that to Bo-Katan. I thought like, oh, maybe that's Sasha Banks's character. Maybe she's some like figurehead on this island. So like, so even when we're like on the boat, like I wasn't expecting anything. But then like when she did the landing in there, I was immediately I knew who it was. Like I could tell from the helmet. I was like, oh my god, it's happening. She's here. That was pretty much my reaction. I was like, I I might have connected the Harris uh, to to uh, Bo Katan. I thought it was an option. I I'm not. I wasn't convinced that they would go with it. But when I saw the helmet, I'm like. They didn't, they didn't just do this. It was a very, I compare, actually, I've been comparing in my mind this episode to chapter nine, because it's a very similar episode. Both of them are very similar episodes. They involve a side quest, basically, um, that, uh, with two characters that you never thought they'd bring in. Like, never in a million years did I think Cobb Vamp was going to be in The Mandalorian. Yeah. You just didn't think that. Um, but they did, and not only did they, but they did them in a natural way, and they did them so that these two episodes, The Marshal and The Heiress, are tied for my second favorite episode of The Mandalorian. I don't think that's an accident. Um, yeah, Jacob, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about it, too. You know, I thought it was a pretty, uh, I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I was excited, I'm excited that they're starting to bring back old, old characters from other, uh, shows and whatnot fan favorite characters um i i feel some i'm not sure quite quite how to describe my feeling maybe i feel some trepidation because to me it feels like the writers don't quite have faith in their own storytelling abilities really for all the talk in the behind the scenes media that there's been about the power of storytelling they keep pulling out um it feels like they're just trying to ooh and awe us a little bit with um so, like fancy, fancy graphics and and big spectacles, like the uh, like the crate dragon, and and bringing back fan favorite characters, like teasing Ahsoka and bringing back Bo-Katan. But I feel like we haven't really seen the this story really develop that much since the beginning of the season. From my perspective, it is early, so you know I'm 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 hopeful, but uh, I I think that it it's being a little overhyped, and also I wasn't a huge fan of how they are kind of making how they're making gosh i'm blanking on her name now how they're Bo-Katan. making bo-katan cries kind of into a hero because i feel like she's done a tremendous amount of evil and harm and we that's not really ever something that we really see remediated we don't even ever see her express really regret for that we're just we're just supposed to assume oh okay well she she's good now we're past that which, which to me, given that that she's still in the same situation of trying to reclaim Mandalore, feels a little shaky. But Maybe overall, I, I I was so excited. I loved seeing the Gozanti cruiser. Something that really stuck with me was the the way it was flying around. They made it kind of look like a plane. 
I love that we saw for the first time exhaust. Like like we saw the, the oh, like, yeah. the um the way the air was being rippled around by the exhaust. That was that's just a really cool concept. And I didn't even think that that was I, I didn't even that didn't even occur to me, but I just love that one little detail. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything to say about Mando before we tread on to the main beef of our episode? I really like, I mean, the focus for a lot of people has obviously been on Bo-Katan. I really liked, even though we didn't spend a ton of time on him in this, and he was really just a kind of cameo, I really liked Moff Gideon's appearance in this episode. I did too. Like, like I felt that, like, it underscored, there were, like, two things that really kind of stood out to me about his appearance there. Like, on the one hand, like, it really underscored, I mean, this is something going back to when we see him in season one, which is, like, he's got that almost, like, quasi thrawn kind of cold utilitarianism to him, yeah. where he's, like, the guy, the captain is, you know, requesting backup, and then he's asking, like, well, like, what pirates are they? Like, how, how much of the ship do they have? And he's explaining, like, well, okay, like, you're screwed. Like, I'm not sending anyone to help you. Like, it's over. Like, he has that just very kind of cold, calculating logic to him, where he just, like, understands, like, what is a you know what what is a worthy cause and what is a lost cause and then like when he closes out that hologram that transmission and he says long live the empire it's so sinister just like it's the implication scary. there it is scary yeah. um, because it's like it's basically like saying that like all of these people like the cap and the piles like they're all just tools they're all just instruments I like being fed into this machine like it's so dark I will want to point. I do want to point out something. So I want to, with Bo-Katan's appearance in this episode, um, Devor. A couple days ago on Twitter, or like five, six days ago, you willed something into existence in one of the Mandalorian episodes. Um, you said, "I really hope that uh, Bo-Katan takes off the helmet and and Din looks at her funny, and she goes, oh, it's one of them,' and that's exactly what happened in the episode." So I'd like to make my case with you on the show to will something into existence. This is what I want to see. Um, with Bo-Katan's after the Darksaber. We know that. I want her to walk up to Moff Gideon. This is what I want. I want so badly. I want her to walk up to Moff Gideon and go, Moff Gideon, you have something I want. You may not know of how much importance it is to you, but know that it is more important to me than you can ever know. I want her to literally Moff Gideon the knows script. that, though. Moff Gideon I, knows I, how important that I don't even is. That's why care. he has it. I don't even care. I mean, well, maybe he doesn't know of the Mandalorian significance. That's the thing. Maybe he I think I think I think we've established that Moff Gideon is a fairly well studied man. I'm sure he'd understand. But, yeah, maybe. I just I just to, I just so want to, the yeah. script to be flipped. I want him to say the exact same thing to her to say the exact same thing to him that he said to uh, Mandalorian. I just like really want that. So I'm willing that into existence right now. Okay. Devor, to go back to what you said about how sinister saying Long Live the Empire was, the the fact that the the whole way that scene played out with him just saying Long Live the Empire and then putting the ship into a death dive, knowing that the all the crew and him w were going to be killed, and then the 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 suicide pill and everything, that made me that made me wonder: Would this have happened if if Palpatine was still alive? Because in a way, that kind of reminded me the absolute ruthlessness of it all reminded me of operation cinder yeah in the battlefront 2 story Absolutely. and the way that it's kind of the empire is shifting into this other mode of we just have to be as ruthless as possible and the senior officers are thinking it doesn't matter if every if, if all my men die it doesn't matter if i die i have to 
I have to try and stop these 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 rebels. And I think that I think it kind of continues showing that paradigm shift how the empire is becoming much much more ruthless and just trying to. It, it's kind of saying like if if we're going down, we're taking everything. We're taking as much pos- as possible with us. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, to your point about that kind of like ethic and philosophy, I do think you see it in maybe not as an extreme version, but I think you do see it like during the empire, like what immediately popped in my mind is there's that episode of rebels where Sabine infiltrates the like training camp to get, um, what is it? Wedge Antilles and the other one. Yeah. And like, there's that scene where they're doing that like training module and like, she goes, I think like to help like one of the other like tie fighters and then like once the simulation ends like the trainer guys like berating or saying like you don't like you complete the mission like you don't help out your fellow tie fighter pilots like if they're screwed they're screwed like you just focus on yourself so they do they have that kind of mentality of like everyone is expendable like the mission is what matters like there's no kind of camaraderie or solidarity so i think that i think that's like part of the kind of ethos of the empire all the way through but then yeah once you get to like post Endor, Cinder, and then now that's on a much more like heightened level. And I, I think you can make the case even like it gets carried over into the First Order. Like the First Order is very, very ruthless. And it has a much more of a kind of militant edge than you even see during the Empire. Well, you know, they continue yeah, the numbers for a name thing. Yeah. You know? um, I would, I would say that was, okay, if so. I can add on one more thing to what you just said before, I would say that, yeah, it, it almost feels as if after the Battle of Endor, the Empire kind of it loses its soul, I get me. No, not its soul, but it, it feels like without Palpatine, it feels like it's just lashing out wildly kind of and, yeah. and getting more and more ruthless. And I think that, so yeah, after Endor, it feels like there's a change. And like, even though there was so much of this ruthlessness and so much of the expendability before, I think after Endor, we really see a change and it becomes much harder edged. And it, and it feels as though the idea that everyone is expendable is being put into use much more frequently. That's and the idea I, of rule through fear and be brutal is put into practice even more so than I, it is beforehand. I was just thinking about uh, squadrons. Um, I don't know if you played the squadron campaign before, um, but I was just thinking um, uh, the Empire in that game is like, they don't even, they don't have none of their act together. They are straight up attacking each other when they don't feel like they're doing what the Emperor would have wanted and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it, I didn't enjoy the Squadron's campaign as a story. Uh, I think it had its merits, but like, that is clear in that campaign, which I think is like halfway between Endor and Jakku. Um, uh, I, I do think that there, there is a, um, oh no, our guiding leader's gone. What do we do? What do we do? I think maybe one other thing, uh, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with like Bo-Katan and Cobb Vanth. It's interesting that like neither of those characters are the first crossovers that we've seen. You know, we've had Saw Gerrera going from animation to live action in Rogue One. We've had you know Thrawn going from a book character into the animated shows. But there's a way in which, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it exactly, like there's a way in which both of these two characters, both using Cobb Vanth and then using Bo-Katan more recently, it feels like the doors are being busted open in a way where like now it's like almost anything is fair game for any character to make any jump and anybody can show up. 
I so, think, okay, go, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, I think one of the things is man, the Mandalorian, like what I've seen so much about the Mandalorian is more than any Star Wars movie. And this is not about comparing its quality to the sequel trilogy because I'm the last person to do that because I love the sequel trilogy. Um, but even more than the sequel trilogy in this way is so much more widespread. There are people, you know, uh, I can tell you countless examples. My sister, my brother, my parents weren't into Star Wars, but I showed them The Mandalorian. My spouse wasn't in, my partner wasn't into The Mandalorian, wasn't into Star Wars, but I showed them The Mandalorian and they loved it. You know, whether that's Baby Yoda, whether that's the tone of it, whether that's whatever, but to introduce the characters into to a place where pe more people are going to see it, it feels more visible. That's just my thoughts about that, though. Oh, that's a good point. Um, okay. Um, let's get into the meat of the episode. What do you say, Jacob? Before? Yeah, let's I'm, do good. It. I'm good to go. Okay, so um, I know you've probably answered this question quite a few times, uh, but uh, just, I guess, give us a little background. How do you get into the Star Wars, Devor? Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good question. So the first time I ever saw Star Wars, one, it was A New Hope. So I started basically from the beginning. It was in the late 90s. I want to say maybe 98. Uh, I did not watch the special editions in theaters. It wasn't that. It was, like, through TV. And I remember the day very well. It was 8 o'clock in the evening. I remember that. And my parents and I, we'd been babysitting the daughter of a family friend. And her parents had come around, like, right around 8 o'clock to go pick her up and to go home. And right around that same time, A New Hope started airing on TBS. Back then, it was TBS Superstation, like the olden days. And the distinct memory I have from that viewing, it's really my first Star Wars memory, is in that opening shot of Darth Vader and the Stormtroopers walking into the Tanta V4. I just remember that crystal clearly. I will remember that when I have forgotten my name. Like, I will remember the first time I saw Darth Vader. And so that was the first time seeing Star Wars. And then, of course, the next year after that was Phantom Menace. And I was, you know, at this time, what was I... Uh, I would have been eight when The Phantom Menace came out. Sorry, seven. So I was in that right, like, the sweet spot for The Phantom Menace. I was, like, in that target demographic. And then by and, the time of Rent of the Sith, you were, like, 12, 13. Star Wars is for yeah. 12-year-olds. Boom. Yeah, ba yeah, basically, I was, like, the target demographic for the prequels. So, like, I remember, like, all the hype. I, mean, I think I saw Phantom Menace, like, it might be the Star Wars film I've seen most in theaters. Probably, like... 11, 12 times, something like that. I saw The wow. Phantom Menace. Um, I feel like Phantom so, Menace is the Star Wars movie I've watched the most too, so. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, it started there and then like the prequels were very much like the gateway into them. So, you know, I, I saw Phantom Menace in theaters. I saw Clones. I saw Revenge of the Sith in theaters. I was full into like, you know, collecting, like buying the action figures, like Lego sets and all of that. And... Then I would say, like, kind of post the end of the prequels, I was still into Star Wars very much so, but I did sort of, like, it did kind of, like, fall away a little bit as we kind of entered that, like, the dark times of basically no Star Wars. Obviously, like, three years after that, you know, we get Clone Wars, but I didn't watch the Clone Wars movie. I didn't watch the TV show as it was airing. So, like, my fandom was still very much rooted in, like, back with the six films. And then... You know, I started getting back into it in a big way once the Disney era came along and we got Force Awakens, Last Jedi, 
and Rise of Skywalker, like my fandom started to pick up again, I think, as was the case, I think, for, for a lot of people when Star Wars was like back in theaters and um, kind of had a more prominent place in pop culture. From there, of course, you went on to make um, a large review of the Force. Um, so how'd that happen? How did you come up with the idea? How did you, what, what's yeah, the step behind what we've seen? Sure. So I think that is part of, I think, a, a deepening of my relationship to the Star Wars fandom that happened like relatively recently. Like, you know, I mentioned about like how I was getting back into it with like TFA and like the Disney era of Star Wars. But then in the last kind of two years or so, I would say like um, I've gotten like even more kind of attached and kind of deeper into the world of Star Wars. It started particularly in the summer of 2018. I watched for the first time the animated series. So both Clone Wars and Rebels. And funnily enough, the catalyst for that was uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, in particular, the mall oh. cameo at the end of the movie. I knew going into Solo, like I'd known beforehand, just kind of in the background that Maul was alive, that he had survived like Phantom Menace. I didn't know what happened. Like, I didn't know any of the specifics. So like when that happened, it wasn't like this, like, oh my God, he's still alive. Like what the hell moment? It wasn't like that. But it was this moment where like seeing, I was like, oh, I was like, okay, I got to like know the full story here. Like I got to figure out how we got to this point. That's so crazy. then that got... Yeah. So then that guy. I went into uh, Solo having watched the animated series. I'm just very interested in hearing that perspective of life. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, from there, I watched, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and then got that whole story. Um, It was around that same time that I, like, started listening to Star Wars podcasts. And it's finally enough, like, I didn't listen to a bunch until relatively recently. So, like, for example, I started listening to. uh, to Force Toast last August, and that was only the second Star Wars podcast I was listening to. So I came like relatively recently, like into the kind of universe of Star Wars podcasts and kind of Star Wars content creators. But then it was really from that like kind of latter half of last year, wh- which was like get like starting to discover podcasts, particularly getting more into Star Wars Twitter and like interacting with different creators and so on that you know coming into 2020 i started kind of batting around the idea for doing a podcast and possibly it went with you guys too like the same way where like you the idea comes in your head and you're like haha just kidding unless like and like that's how it was for a while i was like oh like wouldn't it be wouldn't it be fun to do a star wars podcast like but that's just you know like nothing's gonna come of that idea but then like it just kept kind of sticking around and kind of kept coming back and we were doing yeah, maybe a month of that show of In the Galaxy. Actually, probably two or three months before either of us looked around and said, so this could be a thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> like back then, we didn't even have a recording schedule. That was how informal we were doing it. We didn't even have a, a recording schedule. We didn't. We were just, I'm like, hey, you want to record today? And Jacob was like, oh, no, I'm busy today. Maybe tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Jacob, is that a fair assessment of how the first two, three months of In the Galaxy went? Yeah, we were pretty, uh, we were pretty disorganized. Um, but yeah, so once once the idea started going from just this kind of flight of fancy to okay, I might actually want to do something with it, I started thinking more concretely. And again, probably this is a conversation the two of you had in the early stages of your show, which was like trying to figure out like what your thing was going to be, like what's your angle going to be, because 
the world of Star Wars podcasts is very, very populated. And so like, you got to think about like, well, how is the thing I'm going to do going to stand out? What is going to be the thing that will make me kind of, to the extent that it's possible, distinct and different and will get people to want to keep coming back and listening. And so I had the thought both because of, well, for a couple reasons, like both because of my own nature and the way that I think about Star Wars and so on, I thought that, well, I didn't want to necessarily go down the like rumor news route. I didn't want to do that. And instead, I wanted to do something both that I felt like use the kind of more like intellectual side of my brain um, and also something that I felt would produce content that to the greatest extent possible would have a kind of timeless quality. So like a lot of the episodes of the show. So if you take an episode like, I don't know, off the top of my head, um, I did an episode where I looked at the intersection of like Star Wars and philosophy through the eyes of Yoda. Like that is an episode that somebody who discovers the show a year from now, two years from now, could still listen to that episode and get something out of it. It's not necessarily dated or grounded in whatever kind of stories or speculation was happening around the time that it was recorded. And so that's where I kind of came up with the concept for a larger view of the force where I decided I was going to do a Star Wars podcast. I was going to take a big picture view of Star Wars. So we were going to, you know, do a lot of kind of analysis and breakdowns and like close reads of different scenes and characters and the movies and the books and the TV shows and such. And so that's sort of where the concept came from. And it sort of also ties into with the name of the show. Like I was trying to think back, like whether I'd ever like entertained a different name other than a larger view of the force, whether I had any like alternates. And I don't really think I did. And I think probably part of the reason why is like in a way, like the name is in part both the name and it's also kind of a mission statement of the show that it's like what we're doing, like what I'm doing on the show is I'm taking a larger view of the force. I'm taking this kind of 30,000 foot view of Star Wars. And so that's what I do every other week. You know, so I've done episodes on, I just mentioned like I did an episode on Star Wars and philosophy, done an episode on Star Wars and history done an episode on lightsaber duels, taking a deep dive on rebels. So yeah, that's the kind of MO of the show. So I'd like to mention our second question was, so how do you come up with the name of a larger view of the force? Um, so we got a little, nice little double answer right there. Um, got that uh, covered, yes. Yeah. Also, I'd also like to mention, um, you mentioned being a huge fan of force toast. Um, and I am a like humongous fan of force toast. Um, this is my time to make the pledge. Alice, Laura, if you're somehow listening to this, I would absolutely die if I had you guys on. Um, but <laughs> proceeding from that. What goes into making an episode of the large of a larger view of the force? Ooh, what, is your, is a... what does your creative process look like? Oh, that's well, a really good question. You're comfortable with, you know? If you don't yeah, want to. I... If you want to go too in detail, don't, don't, no pressure. No, I mean, I, I, I don't really have like trade secrets per se. So like, um. But yeah, that's a good question. So the process goes is I have like on my phone, I've got this like, I've got a note where I basically have a kind of giant running list of episode ideas. And so basically I do that and I just kind of, whenever I am, you know, just going about my day or just kind of musing or whatever. And like, 
either I think of something or I let's say maybe see something on Twitter or whatever that kind of strikes my fancy. I'll like pop open the note app and like jot something down. And in some cases, it'll be like it'll be concepts that like they can be a whole episode like based on that. Other times it's like half of an idea or it's something I'll throw I'll write it in and be like, OK, I'm going to like put that there and then kind of let it germinate and see if it can become a bigger episode because the episodes generally speaking run in the neighborhood of like 90 minutes they're about like give or take about hour and a half episodes so i have to think like is this like a 90 minute idea and sometimes it is and other times like okay well maybe this has to be like fused with something else but anyway once i like have the idea and start then you know the process will the, the creative process will vary depending on the idea. So like, for example, I did an episode on the video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter, which I know you guys did an episode on that as well. Like the creative process for that was like literally going back and playing the game was like playing different levels to just familiarize myself with like what happened and then remind myself of like various like gameplay strategies and so on so that it could actually go into it in the show. And then other times it'll be... All right, if we take like the Yoda episode, right, in philosophy, in that case, I had to like actually like, crack open books and I had to like go back in and like find different quotes and ideas from different philosophers and then kind of stitch that into like a narrative, an episode and so on. So very much like in a lot of ways, the actual topic and content will dictate the creative process and how that works. Interesting. Really cool. That's kind of, in a way, the a little bit of the opposite of what we do. I would say. No, ours is way or, more spontaneous. Absolutely. We're we're more more sort of like okay, this is what we cover in terms of content, and then at, at least for me, I just will sit down, I'll, I'll I'll watch it, I'll pause it a bunch, take a bunch of notes, kind of rack my brain, think, what what observations do I have about this? What connections can I make? How can I how can I come up with something? of substance to say about this yeah it's an interesting style differenti differentiation that i find very fascinating you've gone um now eight episodes now i mean eight official yes. episodes um that's that's the other thing with us it's like yeah um this is like we just had our we recorded our 30th episode yesterday but on Spotify or wherever I'm listening to podcasts, it says like 44 things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we've done like so many uh, special episodes. So I wanted to make that clarification. Um, uh, there have been, of course, twists and turns like there have with any Star Wars podcast. Um, what surprised you so far about Larger Be the Force? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I got to say, like, on some level, there's a couple things that have surprised me. Like, I mean, I think probably the biggest one is that like people are listening to it. Like, I think to some extent, like that is the surprise of like most creators. Like, I think, you know, you have like whenever you go into any kind of creative endeavor, whether it's like you put a podcast or like you write a book or you are a musician, you create an album. Like, you obviously like you have the dream of like lots of people are going to listen to this and it's going to become big. But then you think realistically, oh, like, okay, maybe this is just like flounder like wither and die like you, you sort of like think in that way like that this is just going to be like a disaster no one's going to listen to it but i think the fact that like i've managed to get a kind of consistent audience and people are saying and it's not even just consistent it is kind of growing over time because the show has been going now for only about like four months or so but the fact that it is kind of growing and it has found 
an audience and people are really enjoying it because you know sometimes i think about like i even think about like there are episodes where i imagine like is this just like too niche like are people gonna really want to listen to like an hour and a half on you know like when i did my star wars and history episode like i that was an episode i really really enjoyed because in part i have a history background and that's why i came to it but then i also remember like going through the edits and listening to it and i'm like Okay, it is like 35 minutes before I get to Star Wars. And I'm just talking about like primary sources and how to find documents. Like, is any, am I going to lose everybody by the time I get to Star Wars? So, think, you go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just want to interject there and say, I think to answer your question, at least from my perspective, when it comes to Star Wars, there's nothing too niche. <laughs> that so. is true. That is way too true. I I thought no one was gonna vibe with my whole Ochi thing, and way too many people for their own good have vibe with my Ochi thing. Like, look at how popular Veer's watch is. It's yes. like it doesn't make sense how popular Veer's watch is. Veer's watch is so popular he got into a book. He actually got into a Star Wars book based on how popular he is. Um. Yeah. I mean. I th- yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that, Jacob. Yeah. Like there are like Star Wars has this kind of unique ability somehow to have people just like cling on to the most minor, most obscure little corner of that galaxy. So yeah. So there's that. Like the fact that it's got an audience, I think, has been to some extent a surprise. And then also a little bit like what aspects of what I do have gotten an audience. So like for example, if you look at like where the episodes rank in terms of downloads and so on and listens. The most download episode, and this is like not at all a surprise to me, I sort of imagined this was going to happen, was my Rebels episode that I did with Force Toast. And it's like, yeah, like to a large extent, I'm kind of like riding their coattails on that one. And so, of course, like more people are going to tune in. The second most downloaded episode, at least so far, has been the Bounty Hunter episode. And so That's like that, weird. yeah, like an episode about an 18-year-old video game. And I just, it's something I look at, I'm like, huh, like, okay like i don't necessarily know what to do with that information but like that's a useful data point i guess yeah i'm just looking at ours like of course our most downloaded episode is um our mcdowell episode which is again not surprising and i'm sure there's something weird in our oh actually i was about to say our second place i'm like okay it's our may 4th episode that makes actually our first episode made way back only 30 minutes long end of january is like one of the five most popular episodes um of in a galaxy i couldn't tell you why jacob i i don't know i i feel like back then i don't know we, we I, 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 yeah again like then. something it, it feels like a mystery sometimes like i just feel surprised by what what things get listens and what don't sometimes and what things people kind of pick up on and talk to you on twitter about but it's always a fun surprise just to just to see if anyone if if anyone will uh like talk to you or say something actually out there so yeah what is your favorite episode that you've made of allergy of the force what's the most fun one that you've made in your opinion i think it's got to be the rebels episode i really think so um because like that was just such a great conversation. It's the longest running episode. It's like a little over two hours long. And it was with Alice and Laura from Forest Toast. And we just got into like such really interesting and deep conversations about like themes and rebels around like the force and about like the world between worlds. 
And it went in just some like ways that I wasn't even necessarily expecting the conversation to go. Like it was really funny because like we did that, we recorded the conversation and to some extent, I'm sure maybe like you guys experienced some version of this too. Like when you're recording an episode, either just the two of you or even with a guest, like you have a certain amount of tunnel vision where it's like, you're just focused on like, what are you saying right now? And then like, what's coming up? And so you're not really thinking about the episode as a whole. And so I wasn't thinking about it that way either. But then when I sat down the next day to start actually like listening through and editing and doing cuts and so on, I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, who recorded this? Like we did this. So that is a, so that for me is a really, really special episode. And I would say there was a little bit of while where like I couldn't decide between it and particularly the history episode. Cause like the history one was like, it's near and dear to my heart. It's like, it's like a big part of who I am. So I was like, ah, like the, the rebels one is really good, but like this other one, I've got this like sentimental attachment to, but now I'm just like, yeah, it's the rebels episode is the best episode. I would have to agree with you on that. I remember listening to the episode and I was just like, I was so loud. It was such a great episode. Um, it was, um, I really like, I was, I remember tweeting this after in the aftermath. I'm like, so this guy not only managed to sit down um, and talk Rebels for two hours, but he did it with two people that he obviously admires as much, if not more than I do. And he did not like completely explode. Um <laughs> And I was so impressed by that. Um, it was a really great... Uh, we'll, we'll link to that episode, of course, with with the podcast, of course, everything. But like, we'll link to that episode specifically because that episode was very good. Um, I actually had another question for you. Um, I, so, in, so your last episode came out... Wow. It was like... Um, it was... Okay, I got it here. It's about a week ago. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned your next episode is going to be... Um, uh, about Lego Star Wars with yep. Candace from Geeky Waffle, which I'm very excited about because um, I love Lego Star Wars and I love the Large View of Force and I also love Geeky Waffle. Shout out to them because they're great. We want to have them on at some point. Um, uh, I'm not sure how much you can tell us. I'm not sure how much you've planned. Do you have? Can you tell us anything else about the future of a Large View of the Force? You know what? I can actually. So I think by the time. By the time this episode comes out, your guys' episode comes out, I think I will have announced this on my own show. But even so, like I can kind of guys, I can I can let you guys in on this secret at least for now. So you will be you're actually, you two are actually going to be the first people to know about this at least I'm within the like that. Star Wars community. So for the first December episode, which is going to be what will that be? December sixth. I'm going to be debuting the first in a in a recurring series that I'm going to be doing that I'm going to be calling Speculative Star Wars. And so what Speculative Star Wars is going to do is these are going to be episodes that I will do every so often, maybe every two months or so, um, that will look that will take a look at a particular what if scenario in Star Wars. I will just take one and take a look at it. But rather than simply you know, me being like me taking this what if and then kind of speculating on it for the episode, I will be presenting the what ifs in the form of essentially a kind of audio drama. So they're going to be like fully written out narratives. They're going to be short stories with plot, dialogue, whole nine yards. Wow, so, that sounds yeah. incredible. First one is um, going to be December 6th. It is mostly written. I'm, going to, I'm still going to keep the actual subject matter of that one under wraps. 
But yeah, that one is in the like final stages. And so I'm going to be releasing that. It's going to be the first episode in December. So that'll be I'm, episode 10. I'm very excited for that. Now I'm like, um, by the way, I would not be a proper fan of Star Wars Explained. And I don't even have to ask if you're a fan of Star Wars Explained because I feel like everyone's a fan of Star Wars Explained. Um, when I tell you to speculate responsibly. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but like, wow, I'm so excited about that. So you're going to be announcing that in the next episode, which is November 20th, right? It's going to be the 22nd. Oh, yeah, so okay. next Sunday. Yeah. So I, I was about to say, I'm like, when's this episode come, going out? It's the 25th. So yeah, it'll be out for that. So it'll the cat will be out for, of the bag for three days. I'm yeah. very excited about that. I always loved what if scenarios. I I I get really I get a lot of joy from that. So I'm very excited to see what you um have in that realm. So um as Devore mentioned earlier, uh, he and I and Jacob are huge fans of Force Toast uh, Star Wars Happy Hour. Um, uh, if you're f and I hope I didn't reach too far with this Devore. Actually, wait, no, I don't think I did because I, I remember talking to you about on Twitter about this um, a couple months ago. But if you like Force Toast, you like Laura Kelly, you're a fan of the movie Trivia Showdown. I mean, like, I'm not sure everyone, but, like, are you? Have you watched some of their stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I've watched I've watched a good number of her matches. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I thought, um, so our um, one-quarter portion segment for this week is this month. Which is not a bad segment, but um, we th we like playing games with our guests, and so we wanted to do something different. Um, so Jacob and I prepared um, some trivia questions to ask to each other and you, if uh, you're willing to do this. Oh yeah, um, I'm down. Yeah, okay. So if everyone's ready, um, I, I'm so excited to get to do this. Then let's get ready to schmodown! Um, okay, Jacob, you got your questions, right? I do. I have, so I have we arranged them. medium, and I have hard questions. Yeah, easy, medium, and hard. Jacob, in A New Hope, who said, you came in that? You're braver than I thought. In A New... Um, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. It's it's Princess Leia. Yep, it is. That's, okay. That's a relief. I, I, I was petrified I was going to get that wrong. I haven't watched A New Hope in a while. In uh, Devor, in Rogue One, what was the name of Jyn Erso's mother? Uh, Lyra. Okay, correct. Um, wow, Jack, go nice. ahead with your easy questions. Um, okay. Eli, what did Owen Lars say Luke's dad's job was? Oh, I remember what, what almost getting this wrong in our trivia contest. A navigator oh, wait, on a I... spice freighter. Wait, was that recycled? Uh, yeah, I think you gave that to us, to, to me in the first trivia contest we did. Oh man, I'm sorry. That's my bad. We're, we're good. We're good. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to because I almost I remember I said pilot last time, and mm. um, I meant to say navigator, um, so I almost I almost messed that one up. So go ahead, ask your one to divorce. A little bit of redemption for you then. Okay. Yeah. Divorce. Who was the first character in the in-universe chronology of Star Wars that we know of to say hello there? In universe chronology. Oh, um, I know this one. Grievous? Yes, it is yep. Grievous. We just and did that yesterday with Jared the, the Dark Jedi on our episode. Arc. Yeah. Um, so I. Uh, I love that he, moment. 
Yeah, that's a, a great it's moment. It's a fun moment. We talked about it a lot yesterday. We were all like, I, I remember I brought it up. I'm like, oh my God, what a great moment. Uh, okay, I guess I'll do my medium level questions. Jacob, what was the species of Jedi Master Ki-Adi Mundi? Oh my gosh. Wait, I should know this. Man, I thought I knew this. Wait, wait, let me, let me think for a sec. Ki-Adi Mundi. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm thinking we have to pass this question or concede on this one because I can't remember. Um, I didn't write multiple choice, but I can make up multiple choice on the fly if you want. It's okay. I'll. I'll okay. I'll pass it um, on to Devor answer, maybe. Oh, Devor, do you think you know this one? Oh, I do not know this one. Uh, the answer is Serian. Serian. I knew that somewhere. I I read that once, so I don't know. Okay. I guess I didn't absorb it enough. Devor, in uh, The Last Jedi, what was the name of the main ship of the uh, Resistance that the Resistance were using? The Rattus? Yep, that's correct. So that would be, um, that's named after Admiral Rattus then, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. Um, Jacob, go ahead with your medium questions. All right. Eli, what planet has a, has a full ring... That goes around the entire planet of orbital shipyards, which make ships for the Republic and the Empire. That would be Kuat or Kuat. That is correct. Home of the renowned Kuat drive, Kuat yards. drive yards. Which and. I'm I was doing I'm doing this project on and off right now. I've never actually mentioned this. I'm doing I'm watching all the Star Wars movies for trivia because I really want to play in, in MTS one day. Um, and uh, and Jacob uh, got me with a question about manufacturing in our last trivia contest. And now I'm just writing down every single manufacturer I ever come to. It's a thing. I'm obsessed with Star Wars manufacturers. I don't know why. He really so, is. That tickles me, I think. It's convinced me to be a better studier for manufacturing companies. Okay. Devor. Yep. What is Bail Organa's royal title in the House of Alderaan? Oh, shoot. Um, let me see. So, that compensation makes so much more sense now. Um, I don't, I'm going to say Duke. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It's actually Viceroy. And I think the story behind this is that on, in the Alderaan royal family, um, that you can have a king or a queen, but if they have a spouse, that person is a viceroy and, okay. and doesn't get the title of king or queen, which which surprised me. But I thought yeah, I definitely didn't think he was king. king. So yeah, he, I he wouldn't like been the, at, at most because consort. There's a, so they have a queen but no king because he's married him. But if he was descended from the last, um, the the last uh, executive, I guess, or royal, then he would be the king and Brea would be the viceroy. I literally just went the, like, Prince Philip route. I'm like, he's a duke. Let's say that. Yeah. It was a I, solid uh, guess. You know, he could be a duke. Jacob was talking uh, to me before the recording. He's like, there's so many viceroys in Star Wars. I'm like, what's that about? Um, so now I know what that was about. Um, okay, here are the hard questions. And uh, sorry to both of you, because I went, like, really hard. Um, so let's, let's do this. Uh, Jacob, A New Hope. Uh, C-3PO says, a power loss at one of the terminals on the Death Star may allow the Millennium Falcon to leave. I paraphrased a little bit of that, but, um, uh, but he doesn't just say that. He actually mentions the number of terminals on the Death Star. How many terminals? Oh, man. Um, 
Oh gosh, I have no. I, have I know this. Toys. I actually know this one. No way you know this one. I okay, I'm so. gonna guess. I'm gonna guess 500 because Devor is lighting a fire under me. Nowhere close. Um, but I. Uh, do you want multiple choice or should I give it over to Devor? Uh, give it. Give it to Devor if he if he thinks he knows it. I I want to see the answer. I believe the answer is seven. The answer is seven. Wow. Why did I think 500 terminals? I got maybe I got that confused with a different term. I'm curious if you know this the same way I know this. How do you know that? I just hear C3PO saying the line in my head. So here's the weird story behind this. This line was not in the original cut of A New Hope. It was actually added a year later in for a subsequent re-release. Oh, just wow. that line. Just that line. Nothing else. Just that oh. line. It's um, like the Blade Runner edits that just like make teeny tweaks. Like that's weird. It's it's yeah. the it's the kind of sort of a little bit special edition. Um yeah, okay. Uh and then finally, um for my hard question, I guess I'm this is still going to Devor, but I'm interested if Jacob knows either of these, because there are two answers. Um The Phantom Menace. Uh Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi are traveling to Naboo in the ship, the Radiant Seven. Can you name, um, I'll give you like half credit if you can name one of the captains, but can you name both of the captains? Ooh, I, I don't think I know this one. Me neither. Okay, yeah. um, they are Mayoi Matacor and Anditar Williams. I Here's another fa fun fact I found out about Anditar Williams. He is played by Silas Carson, who is also the same guy who voices... Um, no, who plays Kiati Mundi and New Gunray. Oh, wow. So, he plays three separate people in the uh, prequel trilogy. Um, Jacob, wow. go with your hard questions. I'm very interested to see what you got. All you. right. Let's see. Right, so, this one's a bit different. It's not multiple choice. It's a, it's a list. So this oh, is it's for, a list question. Oh, Eli, Jacob's, this is gotten my, this is, yeah. Jacob's gotten my penchant for list questions. I guess this can be for both of you if if uh, if, if we Eli can try and pick know. up each other's pieces. Yeah, Eli, if you don't know all of them, name five different Mandalorian factions that we see on TV. Oh. I have seven listed here, so if you can name five of them, you're across the line. And if you want to go for all seven, go for it. Well, there's Death Watch. Yes, that's one. Well, in Chapter Eleven, there's um, the Watch. That's correct. Um, what does the night owls count? Yes, the night owls count. That is the night three. owls count, and then protectors of conquered dawn. That's four. Uh, and well, now I'm just falling apart. Let's see. Um, four, and then five would be. Um. Would like the um the government under Satine like um the pacifist government under Satine would that count? I'm sorry, that does not count. I'm talking about Manda like Mandalorian warrior factions. Oh, warrior factions. Um, the are you talking about? In? Well, I got, well, I got two more. Do I clans count? Do clans count? Uh, yes, clans that we that clans that we see count. Oh, clan Vizsla. Mm hmm. Are there, there's okay. two more if you want to get them divorced or finish it out. If not, no pressure. Uh, clan um, Price. No, the clan Christ doesn't exist. Clan Ren, duh. Yes, there's one I, more. And I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm done. There's, um, hint. Is it a clan? It, it like is a house. It's it's not a house. It's a 
it's a faction, but it's not a house or a clan, I believe. Okay. Oh, no. it's um, trying to think of what's been said. I'm guessing the Maldalorians don't count as a faction. That would just be Death Watch. They don't count as a faction because they're okay. just Death Watch that have been yeah, yeah, yeah. converted to the Shadow Collective. Um, let's see. I'll give you a hint. They show up in Star Wars Rebels. Okay, they show up in Star Wars Rebels. I think um, I might know what it is. Let's see. That we we got the Protectors. They're in Rebels. We've got Ren. We. Can I interject? I think I might know what it is. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm never gonna get I it. I think it's the the Mandalorians who sided with the Imperials who follow Gar Saxon. Yes, Gar Saxon ah. Imperial Super Commandos was correct. We ended up, you ended up getting all seven. Nice job. I did not think I was gonna. That was that was rough. Thanks for trying yeah. to come in there. I kind of made that question for myself to help me straighten out all the different factions in my mind, or at least some of them that play a prominent Good role. Good use for it. Okay, let's see. What what's your final question? All right, this is for Devor. What All planet right. was Obi-Wan Kenobi born on? Oh. I, I have multiple choice if you want it. Yeah, hit me. Okay. Dujon, Chandrilla, Zepho, or Coruscant? Good question. Zepho. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The correct <laughs> answer was Stujon. I think Zepho is from... I think Zepho is Jedi from... Jedi Fallen Order. Order. Jedi right? Fallen Order. Which... On the day we're recording this, it's officially one year old. Um, wow, just crazy. crazy to think. Um, I know the story behind this. You want to say the story? You want me to say the story? I don't know what story you're referring to. So, oh, uh, Stu John was actually named uh, by George Lucas um, on John Stewart's show. Um, he's like, oh really? Oh wow. St Wait, so uh, he John got asked. Stu Stu John. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Fun stuff. I, I I love that question because of that. Um, because of the um, shoot. Uh, because of the John Stewart thing. Um, and this was like 10, 15 years ago too. So it wasn't like it was when he was still actually in charge of the canon. So it got. I think it's still in there. I think it's still in the um after the um the legends reset to canon. I'm pretty sure it's still in there. Um, let's see. Yep, it's still there. It is still there. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. <clears throat> One quarter portion. It's uh, and this is for the month of. It sounds weird because this is going out on November twenty fifth. This is actually for the month of December because that's just how it's working out. Um, this is uh, this month where we talk about stuff, Star Wars stuff that we're into this month. Uh, Jacob uh, and also Devor, we welcome your thoughts about these if you've uh, experienced these mediums. Uh, Let's see. So, uh, Jacob, what do you got? Okay, so this month, I have been reading the book, the, the canon novel Leia by Claudia Gray. I think it may be Princess called Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Yes, is the full uh, full title. I really like it. It's a, um, it's, it's a pretty fun book. I recommend it to anyone who has not read it and wants to get into Star Wars books or can it's a, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good spot to start I think because it's not too it's not too far off from the movies it basically follows Leia kind of finding out about the rebellion and trying to take part in resisting the empire while also trying to keep herself safe from scrutiny so it's it's a really interesting read kind of dives into Leia's childhood and her relationship with her parents so 
I, I think it's an excellent read, and I would highly recommend it to anyone. Claudia Gray, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Claudia Gray. Good stuff. Um, let's see. Unless you have any thoughts about that tomorrow, I'll get on to mine. I have not yet. That is a book that I have yet to read from. I think that, that might be the only missing piece right now from the Claudia Gray canon for me. Yeah, it is. It's the only one I haven't read yet. I don't. I haven't read it either. I have read Bloodline, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, but mine, I'm so excited to talk about this. Jacob's probably going to hate me for the next three, four minutes. Uh, because I'm talking about Darth Vader 7 by Greg Pak. And man, is this comic exciting for me. Uh, I'm oh, not a comic yeah. reader. Um, I'm not a comic reader normally, but I got into this because of a certain character that, um, if I mentioned too many times, I think J Jacob's head's about to explode. Um, oh, Ochoa Pistoon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> here this we is go. the Strap in, everybody. <laughs> here, here we go, everyone. Let's do this. I didn't get a chance to do any of this yesterday, so um, I get to hop on full fanboy right now. This is this is the this is the actual ascent of Ochoa Pistoon. He and Vader fight back and forth. Of course, kind of the tension is lost because we know neither of them can actually die because we both know how how both of them die, and it's not that. Um, but I've actually gotten, I've actually fallen in love with a new thing from this. Um, so they're fighting, and then a, a, a voice calls to Vader um, in, from a cave on Mustafar, uh, where he is, and he investigates, and he finds one of the weirdest concepts ever created in Star Wars, but I absolutely adore. Have either of you heard of the Eye of the Webbish Bog? Oh, yeah. Oh my god, I love the Eye of the Webbish Fog. I, it's my kind of new thing. It's not replacing Ochi by any stretch of the imagination, but like, the Eye of the Webbish Fog is so weird, it makes no sense at all. Like, not even, oh my god, but it's so cool. Um, the Eye of the Webbish Fog, Jacob, do you know about the Eye of the Webbish Fog, or no? I do not. Okay, for Jacob and also everyone who doesn't know about the Eye of the Webbish Fog, the Eye of the Webbish Bog was originally going to be in the first scene of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, in an extended sequence with Kylo Ren on Mustafar, he wasn't just going to pick up the Wayfinder. He was actually he actually had to get it from a creature known as the Eye of the Webbish Bog, um, which is like the weirdest creature ever. Um, and it, it's basically like a swamp creature, but that can like that's like sentient, um, and that um, and uh, Greg Pak for the Vader comic decided, yeah, I'll just bring it back. It was also in the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker, I found out. Um, and it's such a weird creature. I kind of think there was this um, character in Colin Trevorrow's Episode Nine called Torvalum, who sounds like suspiciously like the Eye of the Webbish Bog. So I kind of think that J.J. read uh, Trevorrow's script and it was like, oh, that's cool. And just decided, yeah, I'll put that in there. Um, before eventually removing it because it is a deleted scene. But such a good comic series, such a good arc, mostly because of Ochi. But um, it is weird Batman armor. Um, but yeah, that's me. That's that's uh, that's oh, that's all for me ranting about Ochi. Uh, if you want more of me ranting about Ochi, we just published. We haven't published it yet. Actually, it's coming out on Thursday. But my birthday's coming up soon. And there's an ep we do a special episode about Ochi of Bestoon and why I love him. So go check out that if you want to hear more of me talking about Ochi of Bestoon. See, I kept it shortish. Let's get on the speed round. What do you, what are we saying? Jacob, sound good? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, Devor, hope you don't mind. These questions are going to be coming, like, kind of rapid fire, hopefully. Okay. Um, we were just doing them yesterday, and we were absolutely anything but rapid fire, so... Who knows? Uh, 
Uh, okay. Uh, number one. Who's your favorite Star Wars character? Darth Vader. Any explanation or just boom, Darth Vader. Lay it down. He's he he's just he's awesome. He's a badass. He like force chokes anybody who you know talks back against him. And I think he's got a really great you know backstory that we learn about in the prequels. All right. Okay. What is your favorite movie trilogy? Uh, the OT. Nice. <laughs> okay. Oh, Eli, what oh, is Eli, your uh, what is your Star Wars movie ranking? If you don't have one, you can just tell us your favorite. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, th I think I should be able to do this off the top of my head. Let's see. So this is going to go descending. So one down. Okay. Empire, A New Hope, Last Jedi, Force Awakens. Um, what comes out? Rogue One, Return of the Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. Sith, Solo, Phantom Menace, Clones. Oh, I forgot the uh, Clone Wars movie. Um, yeah, after yeah, Clone Wars movie at the at the bottom. Yeah. What do you think is a non a piece of Star Wars media that's not a movie that people are missing out on? Um. All right. Yeah, I got this answer. So I'm gonna go to the books. So I think like the go-to recommendation, I think for a lot of books, you know, people mentioned Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. And I think I would say, I think it is the, among, if not the best canon novel. I'm going to recommend a different canon novel. Like this is my little like niche and thing that I latch onto. So I'm going to recommend that folks who are interested in the novels or who want to get into the novels, read a novel called A Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova. Um, it was released as part of the, like Galaxy's Edge, like publication, like all of those books, like Black Spire Outpost and so on. And Journey to Galaxy's Edge? Yeah. Was yeah. The line was called, yeah. Yeah. And it tells the story of these two teenagers, Jules and Izzy, who are, who were kind of best friends as they were kids. And then they were separated and then they are reunited as teenagers on Batu in Black Spire Outpost. And it's sort of like, tell, it's a very kind of small story in the sense that it only takes place over like a couple of days, but it's a really, really well-written story. It's it's a solid like nine out of 10 book. Like it's a very, very well-written book, a very, very sweet story. So yeah, I would definitely recommend, and I think it's a book that a lot of people sleep on. So I would strongly recommend that. Who is your favorite Star Wars background character? All right, so to that one, I'm going to go to the Empire Strikes Back, and I'm going with Imperial Asteroid Victim, the guy, well, the, who, the guy, the guy who, who wipes out during Vader's conference call. I love that guy. Funny story. I haven't read it yet. There's a story about him in from some. I'm so back. excited about that story. The to, like, final order. Like, yeah, to read about him and like actually get a name to him, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's so great. Um... What do you think is the coolest Star Wars species? Ooh, uh, for that one, I'm going to go with the Geonosians. I really, really like the Geonosians. I like their, the design of the characters, both of like the kind of standard like, drone Geonosians. I don't know what you call them. But then even in the particular ones, like, like Apago the Lesser or even the Geonosian Queen that we see in Clone Wars, who has a very like aliens, like Xenomorph Queen look. I like their architecture, like the kind of like ant colony type of buildings that they have. 
And like Geonosis is always a place where like interesting stuff happens in canon. Like, you know, you're obviously in Attack of the Clones, we get the whole battle of Geonosis. And then also when we go back to there in Clone Wars, the like, I, you guys are going to be coming up to this at, sooner rather than later, the whole like Geonosian like brainworm arc, or even when we go back to it in Rebels. So yeah, I really, really like their Geonosians and just like the way they sound, their like weird little language. Yeah. You mentioned the brainworm thing. Um... I've been, I talked to Jacob recently. I'm like, I know we're getting to the brainworm thing sooner rather than later. They're like, you know, usually we're watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on and we love it all. The That episode, Brain Invaders, is the one piece of Star Wars media, I'm willing to say this, that I'm actively scared going into. I have never seen that episode the full way through because it freaks me out so much. I have, like, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting episode. So I'm, I'm, yeah, and I do agree with you. Genosis is has some interesting stuff. What is your preferred Star Wars viewing order? Because everyone's got one. Who um, preferred Star Wars viewing order? Um, I think I'm probably like, I think I, I lean towards the classic, which is release order. Although when I did ahead of the rise of Skywalker to prepare for it, I watched the films for the first time in chronological order like in universe chronological order. And I think there's like, I think there's a pretty decent case for watching it in that way. Like, I don't think you would lose oh, like too much if you were to do that way. But I think like when I watch it generally, yeah, it is release order. What Star Wars planet would you go on for vacation? Or would you go to? Naboo. I like, I mean, the climate's not going to try to kill you, which is a problem with many, many Star Wars planets. Um, I love the architecture. Like I like the kind of sort of Mediterranean style look of, of a lot of the cities and the countryside is really, really beautiful that we see in particularly in Attack of the Clones. So yeah, I would go to Naboo. So we're getting back to viewing orders here. Uh, I talked about the preferred viewing order. What is your uh, favorite weird viewing order that you've seen? Like not the conventional machete or like the release or chronological oh that's a good question i don't know that i've i feel like i heard of one recently that like i found very unusual i think it was like it was i think it was like it was some iteration of the machete order that like went like a new ho oh, i can't even remember what it was it was something like it might have even like started with the sequels and then gone backwards. Oh yeah, I I, oh I remember it now. It was it, you go Force Awakens, and then Wait, I think. Let me guess. You go original trilogy, then you go eight, then you go. Yeah, it's or... something like that. Like it was called something like the Legend of Luke Skywalker. It was something named something like that. Where I think you you either you I think you go seven and then you go four five six and then eight or even it might have gone like seven one two three four five six and then back to eight nine so, something like so that. So you're never gonna believe this. We've got now gotten um, so uh, when uh, we asked this question to uh, Jared yesterday when we were recording that episode, he said the exact same thing. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. And also Naboo is the vacation planet as well. Okay. Um, yeah. No, uh, I, I, I was I I when you said Naboo, I'm like, oh, I'm throwing that off as a fluke. But now, um, <laughs> but but I'm like, but now I'm like, oh my god, stars are aligning. Yeah. Um, 
I guess we're gonna have to link to that episode again. We covered a very similar order. I'm not the. I'm not sure. I remember Pink Milk on Twitter was talking about the Legend of Luke Skywalker order. Which I was, think it was. I think I heard it from them. That's right. They're the ones I heard yeah. it from. Um, because we covered a decently similar order. Um, called the Lockwood Order on our viewing order episodes, and it was one of my favorite because there was so somebody decided to take the time on Reddit to compare the Skywalker saga to um wuthering heights by emily bronte i'm pretty oh, sure god um it i will i will send you the reddit link it is beautiful um it and but the order they suggest is seven originals uh eight prequels nine um basically oh, wow. uh and it's this whole detailed description that i love which is so weird um this is this is again this is no star wars is too niche um okay jacob go ahead with the question number 10. all right if you had a job in the star wars universe what would that job be and why Ooh, that's a good question i think i would probably be i think i'm probably going to be like librarian at the jedi temple like i think i'm going to be a kind of jocasta new because i'm just thinking just because of my own like background and degree and so on i think that would be something that i'd be interested in sort of like keeper of like the lore and the texts and the holocrons and all of that like i i would want to be like in charge of all of that and like managing its safekeeping and who gets access to it and so on knowledge is power yeah um okay um so uh this is a quote that i love um that i quote way too much um for my own good uh, behind the scenes of episode one, uh, George Lucas famously says, uh, you know, it's like poetry, you know, they rhyme. Every stanza sort of rhymes with the last. What I love about that quote so much is that it's used so often in Star Wars. Uh, what's your favorite example of it? All right. So my favorite example is I'm going to draw your attention to two different duels, one in the prequels and one in the original trilogy. So those are the Anakin-Dooku duel in Revenge of the Sith, and then the Vader-Luke duel in Return of the Jedi. Um, I think these are two really, really great parallels, because in both cases, you've got, like, you've got the reigning Sith apprentice, Dooku-Vader, going up against, like, the prize that Palpatine wants, whether that's Anakin or Luke. Of course, you have Palpatine, both of those, complete in a swivel chair, you know, watching the duel as it's taking place, and then, you know, the the initiate if you will like the, the person that they're going after eventually is able to win the contest by kind of like tapping into a little bit of dark side some of that like hate fear anger particularly in luke's case but maybe i think you could even make the case anakin does so in order to to top dooku and then they're both faced with the prospect of eliminating the sith apprentice and in both cases palpatine is kind of egging them on you know uh, uh, you know you've got him saying like good anakin good kill him in revenge of the sith and then you have palpatine in return of the jedi saying you know fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side and then what gets interesting is the fact that from there they diverge because you got on the one hand anakin he knows he shouldn't do it he knows it's not the jedi way but then he gives into palpatine's goading and in so doing, he sort of cements his path towards the dark side. He kind of is drawn closer to Palpatine because he's giving in to his emotions. Whereas Luke, on the other hand, is also facing the prospect of killing Vader, 
But then he like he looks down, he sees the robot hand, he sees his own robot hand, and he has this like, oh my God moment where he realizes I'm becoming my father, I'm perpetrating the cycle. And then he turns and he throws the lightsaber and says, I'm not going to turn to the dark side. I am a Jedi like my father before me. So I think that's a really, really well set up parallel between Sith and Jedi. Yeah. There was some behind the scenes thing I remember reading about that very idea. It was Lucas himself. And the quote that sticks in my mind, and I love this quote for so many reasons, Anakin says yes and Luke says no. Yeah. Uh, which is just so awesome. Um Yes. If you could take one item or force power from Star Wars into the real world, what would it be and why? Ooh. One item or force power from Star Wars. I think I think I'm gonna go with the classic. I think I'm gonna go with the with the quintessential Star Wars item and No, you know what? I don't, mm, maybe this doesn't count as an item. Maybe I am treating him too instrumentally. I'm going to go with old R2-D2. I'm, I'm going to want R2. Um, you know, he is clearly a faithful companion. He is a regular Swiss army knife of different tools and gadgets. So I can imagine him helping me out in all sorts of situations. And, you know, he is in Star Wars. He's arguably... A lot of people say this about 3PO, which I find very strange, but I think really the the storyteller of Star Wars is R2D2. He's the one who's got all the memories. He hasn't people he doesn't get his memory wet. 3PO? I have heard some people say that like uh, I heard I hear it all the time about R2. I've never heard about 3PO. Right? I, I, yeah, I hear it I've heard it a couple times or maybe like C3PO is like the person like through whose eyes we're kind of seeing the story or something like that. So maybe I'm kind of butchering that analysis. But yeah, so like, you know, R2's got all of these memories and history deep inside him. So yeah, I think I'm going to take R2D2. So, Devor, mm-hmm. um I I I'm going to give you the opportunity to do the plugs right now. Where can we find you? Sure. So you can find a larger view of the force on pretty much any podcasting platform, Spotify, Google, um, Overcast, a bunch of ones I haven't even heard of, but I'm listed there. Uh, You can find the show on Twitter. It's at a larger view pod. You can also find me on Twitter at Demondum. And yeah, that's pretty much where you can find the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of In a Galaxy. Thanks so much to DeVore for coming on. Um, we loved having you. This was an awesome conversation. Um, let's see. Uh, you can find all of us. Uh, you can find us uh, at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter. You can, uh, I'm at ochifan 3 g 7 my own personal account now. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find us there. Uh, email us at swunigalaxy at gmail.com. Leave a five-star rating and review if you can. It really does help. Um, and if there's nothing else, um, Jacob, actually, you want to carry out the final words? Okay, yeah. Uh, again, Devor, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, and may the Force be with you.